0: Radio.
1: Good morning, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ, 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I thank you for starting your day here with us. As always, we schedule guests that you want to hear about, so I always appreciate your emails alerting me to cool pet people and topics. If you have an idea for the show, send a note to PetPlaceRadio at gmail.com and we'll do our best to cover that topic. This morning, we'll be speaking with Will Bowen, the CEO of Go Dog Go, a company whose mission it is to keep pets from getting bored and also to keep them active. Then, after our halftime break, we'll be speaking with Dr. Doug Asparos regarding Ebola and pets. I know there are a lot of concerns about this issue, so we're going to address as many as possible during the time we have together. So stay right where you are, and we'll begin after a quick message from KJATS 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ, 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and with me now is Will Bowen, the CEO of Go Dog Go. Good morning, Will. How are you this morning?
0: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, I'm happy that you're here. And you know what? Go Dog Go was my kid's favorite storybook when they were little. I must have read it to them about a thousand times. And I love that this is the name of your company.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, It's actually just a slight twist on that. It's Go, Go, Dog Pals.
1: Go, Go, uh, Dog
0: Pals. Okay. Yeah, we get that a lot, though. So you are, it seems to be a very common name, and probably now I'm putting two and two together. That's (laughs) probably where it comes from, is a children's story.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk about it. uh tell me about your 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 company and your product how 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 did you get started with all of this?
0: Well, it actually started almost six years ago uh after a, another day of work, I was walking my Rhodesian ridge back over to a park in San Diego that we would always go to, and as soon as we would get in the, it was actually an area that had a ton of fields and open spaces and canyons that we would walk through, hike through, and then get to an actual dog park. But on our way there, I would take her off the leash once we got to the canyons, and inevitably she would take off chasing rabbits or squirrels. Um, And it was just such a, you could tell that that's really what she was looking for, is the joy of chasing, you know, taking off after one of those animals having a good chase. And I just kept, as I was walking to the park, I was thinking about it and I thought, you know, there's got to be a way to bring this to the backyard because I always dread having to walk, you know, the six blocks over to the park and then spend ample time, you know, letting her chase other dogs. And, and, you know, most of of us dog owners just stand around at the park, so there's got to be a better way to do this. So I was looking into it and I thought, you know what, I wonder if she would chase a remote control car. So we went out, got one of those, and that kind of served as our beta test. And she absolutely loved it. And I thought this is ideal. You know, now uh, when when a dog owner comes home after work, they can go out in the backyard if they have one, or somewhere close by, and have fun operating a remote control vehicle, basically that has uh, that in- has the incentive to, for a dog to chase it.
1: Okay. And do you make it look like a little animal?
0: Or is yeah, it or is it actually
1: so, well, a little car?
0: well, so what we had to do there well I, I probably oversimplified it. There's a lot of customization that went into it. We tried to make it uh resemble an animal as much as possible um while at the same time giving it a very ruggedized uh look and uh capability so there's a, a rounded off plastic edges so that a dog is unable to bite into it.
2: Okay. And
0: that also, underneath that that plastic mold, it also houses all of the the components. And those components, including the wheels, need to be protected so the dogs can't grab onto it, but they also need to be ruggedized to take a pounding. And we had to, to customize the size and shape, it basically alter the form factor of a standard, you know, high-performance remote control buggy to make it fit what would be the size that a dog would chase
1: now do you find that a lot of dogs are interested in chasing this or is it a certain type of dog who personality type who who might want to do this
0: well that was actually part of our initial i guess theory is that all dogs come from some type of herding or hunting background you know you you hear a lot about people even talking about their little chihuahuas have a big prey drive mm-hmm. and when we go to the parks, or you know, if you go to dog parks, you usually see a lot of uh, owners standing around hoping that their dogs just work or start to play with each other and chase each other around. So very, very seldomly do we ever find that a dog isn't uh, inspired to chase right out of the gates. You know, some of them are, are, have been pampered to the point that they don't really move at all.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: if a dog has any type of um, physical activity, type of uh uh i guess yearning in them
2: mm-hmm.
0: almost all of them will start chasing right off the bat again i think it just plays on that innate uh yearning to to go chase and to go hunt or to go you know play or run around
1: so this little vehicle can roll on grass or dirt or, or four wheel drive train essentially just via remote control yeah it,
0: it exactly so a person can control it it'll go to just about 200 yards in either direction so it's got a very long range and it works best on turf or pavement primarily because the the smoother the surface the better it's going to run it's really optimized to run on a flat surface so the more uh bumpy or the more uh rugged the terrain is the harder it's going to be on the vehicle and that's going to or the underlying technology and that's going to hurt performance but if you have anywhere where there's a, a parking lot or um you know turf backyards are great or um if if people have well manicured uh lawns it mm-hmm. runs very well on those
1: okay and if a dog flips it over does it work whether it's on its uh top or its bottom i guess
0: <laughs> no so what does. another piece of of the patent that the patented design that we put together with with the shape of the unit, it's designed to roll, if it does roll over, it's designed to roll all the way back over onto its wheels again. Okay. Um, and again, the wheels are protected. Um, but if it does happen to flip over, if the dog's able to nudge it over, uh, you want to go over and flip it back right side again. Okay. So think of it almost as a, um, you know, for, for those at home trying to uh, visualize it, it's basically the underpinnings of a remote control car chassis with a customized outer shell that we have three different characters for, uh, mm-hmm. a skunk, a raccoon, and a woodchuck, and that outer casing is what covers or protects all of the insides.
1: Okay. Have you really tested it with some of the larger breed dogs that have uh, a lot of pressure in their jaws, maybe a Rottweiler or a Pitbull or a German Shepherd? I know that some of my dogs, even with Kong toys, can destroy them in a matter of hours. Is has it really stood the test of the tremendous jaw pressure of so many dogs?
0: Well, so yes. Uh, We actually, so again, this was a labor of love originally for my Rhodesian Ridgeback, who is about uh, 95 pounds, and she chased it every day for about a year. Unfortunately, she got sick about two years ago, um, and we had to, you know, we lost her then, but we've tested it with uh, big Rottweiler's because the, the outer shell sits so close to the ground and because of the rounded edges, there's really nothing for them to bite into unless it's on longer grass where they can get up and underneath.
2: Okay. But
0: uh, with that, we made it so that that plastic outer shell is interchangeable because we wanted so that if you buy, say, Sweetie the Skunk as your first shell, that if you wanted to at any point in time, you could either replace it with another Sweetie the Skunk for $5 or you could get another one of the characters like Woody the Woodchuck or Bandit the Raccoon.
2: Okay.
1: If so
0: they're interchangeable. So a dog left to its own devices, we never say, you know, leave it where the dog can get at it inside, always keep it on a charger that okay. recharges the battery and keep that out of their reach. But, you know, for the most part, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for the dog to really break it or impact it in in a big way.
2: If
1: the dog does break it, is there any chance that the dog can be injured by the pieces?
0: They shouldn't be I mean it is plastic, so if a dog was um if it happened to to cut in a weird way, I suppose we haven't run into it yet. Knock on wood okay, but you know, I guess hypothetically there could be a a cut or something that could happen just from a, a scraping on it.
1: So this but is a toy that probably is under adult supervision at all times, and you monitor, and, and if it does look like the dog is kind of tearing into it, that's the time where they need to use the drop command, which hopefully everybody has taught their dog the word drop which mean, or leave it, which means they have to put down whatever it is that they have, and you take it away at that point.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is for uh, a fun exercise uh, in, where the human's having fun uh, controlling it. It's almost like a, a live-action video game. You're trying to keep it away from the dog as the dog is chasing it. It's supposed to be an in, an intense, natural exercise where the dog's doing a lot of natural movements. If for some reason, or if they were able to say pin it against a, you know, backyard fence. Yeah, you'd want to go over there and say, kind of reset the game and and uh, make them drop it because if they're over just chewing on it, you know they will destroy it. They still shouldn't because of how it's it's made. Be able to injure themselves, but again, left to their own devices inside, or if you just allow them to to you know really get after it where it's not running um, or it's not in action, you know I'm sure they can they can probably probably make some uh, destruction out of it.
1: Now, should this be used on dry surfaces only, or does it matter if they get wet?
0: So, we do have wheel wells inside, and that's part of the the inside casing underneath is all protected by another plastic mold. Okay. So, underneath, we've got uh, provisions in place to keep it from getting very wet or to keep from from water getting in there so people can run it on, say, grass that has dew on it in the morning. However, uh, you know, definitely want to keep it away from water as much as possible. So running it through puddles or, um, you know, running it through a lot of mud isn't, one, the performance will be degraded significantly, but two, you know, you're just asking for some of the electronic components that are housed inside to, to come in contact with water, and that's not a good thing.
1: Makes sense. And is there a website where the listeners can can take a look and watch some videos and perhaps even order one?
0: Absolutely. So you can find our videos on YouTube uh, by searching for GoGoDogPals or GoGo and then on our website, which is www.GoGoDogPals.com, you can see videos of a number of different dogs from all over the United States um, and their owners having fun with it. But It's been great, uh, you know, not only for owners trying to give their dog a really challenging exercise, but we've got a lot of seniors calling in just saying we don't have a lot of, you know, I'm unable to give my dog the exercise she needs physically. I just can't keep up or, you know, play fetch. Um, You know, a lot of veterans that have come back to us, um, you know, with with great stories of how they're able to enjoy time with their dog. So
2: yeah, you can check out
0: a lot of different stories and testimonials on the website.
1: Well, I thank you so much, and we need to take a very quick break now. But when we return, we'll hear from Dr. Aspros of the American Veterinary Medical Association regarding Ebola and pets. So stay tuned to KJAZ 88.1 FM, and we'll be right back. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and joining me now is Dr. Doug Aspros of the American Veterinary Association. Thanks for being here today.
3: It's great to be here.
1: You know, I know a lot of our listeners are concerned about Ebola, and they're wondering about what what the risks are with Ebola and pets. So that's why I've invited you on the program today. And I know a lot of people heard the sad story of the dog in Spain that was euthanized not that long ago after it was exposed to its infected owner. And I understand that there really isn't a whole lot of evidence to to say that Ebola can spread from dogs to people. Am I wrong about that?
3: You know, I would say there's pretty much no evidence of that. Um, and in fact, there have been no reports of, of dogs being uh, becoming sick with Ebola or playing any role in transmission of Ebola virus, either to other animals or to humans. But here in the United States, in
1: Dallas, with the young nurse who became affected and her beloved King Charles Spaniel, Cavalier Spaniel, I never get those words in order, <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> Fortunately You're good. her dog yeah. was placed into quarantine rather than being euthanized and I know everybody's just playing it ultra ultra safe, but I, I heard a lot of people saying, Oh, if her dog was out and it urinated or it defecated in the uh complex where she lives and our dogs can sniff that and then they'll pass it on to us. And what what do we how do we respond to that?
3: So I think uh, Bentley is the name of the dog in, in Dallas, who mm-hmm. um, I think has has a huge fan club now across the U.S. <laughs> uh, because he was not euthanized,
2: yes, as, thank uh,
3: as the poor dog in in Spain was. Um, but as I said earlier, there really has been um, no evidence at all. I mean, at all, of dogs being able to transmit Ebola. In fact, the only evidence we have that dogs could potentially play any role. It was a study that was done in Africa of dogs who were exposed to animals that died of Ebola, you know, mo- basically monkeys and and, uh, and fruit bats.
2: Okay. And
3: they generated, um, in this one study, de- generated antibodies to Ebola. Okay. So the question is, well, why did they generate those antibodies? Maybe the virus uh, repli- replicated inside the dogs. But again, these dogs were exposed to people, and there was no evidence that uh, that they transmitted Ebola um, to anybody, um, any, peer, any person, uh, or any other any other animal. Nor did the dogs develop any kind of um, of symptoms about uh, of Ebola.
1: Considering that they developed antibodies, I wonder if that might be a key in scientific exploration in finding some sort of vaccine for human beings because if the dogs have a reaction where they create antibodies, maybe that's a good thing.
3: Well it can be. Of course, it can be uh protective. Um unfortunately I think um to put a damper on that, the uh fruit bats don't seem to develop any disease from from Ebola either.
2: Okay. Uh,
3: which is probably one of the one of the clues that perhaps this virus um has really evolved in fruit bats. Um you know the viruses that that um that do well over time are viruses that actually don't kill you um they want to be they want you to be happy because they want you to be able to pass on the virus to others okay. um and I think one of the reasons that Ebola is so severe in people is that uh, we're really a new species um that Ebola virus has been able to uh infect
1: wow, if somebody had a pet and they were concerned about it being exposed. What would you say to them,
3: especially well, it, in the it, dallas it, it, area sure well i mean there, there's no question that the potential for zoonotic transmission you know um uh spreading a disease from a from an animal to a human um from dogs you know it has to be you know considered and studied given how closely we live with dogs mm-hmm. so it it's not um it's not it's not a wild um suggestion to be concerned about it but given the fact that um that there's been no evidence of of transmission it would be a a terrible thing for uh, from an animal welfare perspective to start putting dogs to sleep because they're exposed to people who might be exposed or have been exposed to Ebola okay moreover it's really important for people particularly in um in areas um of the US like Dallas right now where where there have been more than one um case um, to, if they're concerned about themselves, to not be discouraged in any way or be reluctant in any way to report themselves
2: mm-hmm. to
3: health authorities. Mm-hmm. And if people were worried that that their dogs were going to be summarily euthanized because of, of exposure to themselves, there's always a worry that, um, that that's going to delay people from seeking um, medical attention and advice.
1: I'm so glad so you think- brought that up because I know... Dogs, for many people, dogs, cats, companion animals in general, are so important to people. They're like family members. And to know that your pet might be destroyed if you come forward with any kind of symptom where that you think is reportable. I, I could see how some people would decide not to come forward. So I'm glad you talked about that and addressed that issue. It's very, very important.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things that, that we become uh much more aware of um when we think about uh getting people to evacuate because of, of um of whatever kind of calamity, whether it's uh human, uh man made or or, or weather related.
2: Okay.
3: Um, if if we haven't um addressed people's uh needs to take care of their pets, um, they're much less likely to do the right thing for themselves. Yeah, so yeah. it's really you have to take a sort of a family approach, both human and and animal family, um, to make sure that that everybody's doing the right thing and and being as safe and and, uh, secure as possible.
1: Let me ask you this about the little dog that's in quarantine right now. Even if it doesn't show symptoms or develop the disease, is there any way to find out if dogs can actually carry the disease, perhaps even indefinitely? So if it's released from quarantine a month from now, six months from now, is there any possibility at all that it could just be dormant inside the dog and still, and that dog can still be spreading the
3: disease? Well, there's so much we don't know about Ebola. And, and given what we don't know about Ebola in people, we know much, much, much less about Ebola in dogs. Okay. And I'm hoping that, you know, uh, with with dogs like Bentley, that we have the opportunity to, to gather more information and find out what, in fact, uh, what does this virus do, if anything, in dogs. Okay. You know, right now, all we know from the study that was done in Africa, which I think is back in two thousand and five um is that dogs develop antibodies
1: okay, and, but do you, you know, actually of, see the virus at all or just the
3: antibodies no nobody nobody recovered virus from them um the methodology right now is is uncertain okay um we do know that that um you know some of the original um uh human uh tests that were done um with this outbreak in Africa uh suggested that they were uh cholera uh cases and not in fact Ebola cases. Oh. So right. you know laboratory laboratories um can be different in terms of of uh, the quality of the of the um inputs and, and the quality of the outputs. So there's there's so little we know about uh, dogs exposed to Ebola. Mm-hmm. Um and hopefully um you know, the dog in in Spain probably would have been a great opportunity to gather more information. You know, is the virus replicating in the dog? Mm-hmm. Is the is the virus um, uh, potentially spreading in in bodily fluids? Um, we don't know. Hopefully, mm-hmm. with Bentley, um, you know, we're we're taking the samples and and using that opportunity to to know a little bit better um, what might happen uh, with dogs exposed to people with Ebola.
1: How long do we expect Bentley to remain in quarantine?
3: Yeah, that's the hard part. I don't know. You know for people, we know pretty well what the outside um window of development of symptoms to people for people exposed to Ebola you know typical um signs take about take about ten days to develop. They're um, suggesting three weeks for people who um, have been exposed, that they be under quarantine and, and be closely closely monitored. Uh, for Bentley, I think that's kind of up in the air. You know, what's what's the um, what's the incubation period for a disease that we don't even know that dogs get?
1: Wow, um, that's a little so, scary. So he could be there well, indefinitely. The,
3: uh, well, the, he's not going to go indefinitely without something happening, either nothing happening um, or or developing um, uh, a patent infection. Um, so, you know, if you looked at him, you know, a month from now, and there's no Ebola in his environment and there's no Ebola in his body, there's no reason to believe that there's that he's at risk for developing the the, the infection somewhere down the line. Okay. But what that exact period, you know, incubation period for a disease, as I said, that there's no evidence that dogs actually get. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's um that's speculative. So the people who are making decisions right now about what Bentley's um quarantine period should look like and um what kind of testing should um should happen to him uh, uh over that time, I think is is still um, a work in progress.
1: Do we know of any other dogs currently with this current outbreak who are being quarantined and studied in Africa currently? Perhaps.
3: Uh, none that I'm aware of.
2: None wow. that I'm aware of.
3: I, I would assume that in Africa right now there there's so much um, uh, I, uh, concern about about people infected right. uh, with the virus, and uh, probably a bit a little overwhelming for the public health system um and as i said given given the fact that there's been no evidence that dogs do transmit the disease
2: mm-hmm.
3: um i think dogs would not be the places uh place in africa that i would you know focus my attention
1: right i was just thinking that if there were veterinarians over there who wanted to explore this further this would be a great time to bring in dogs and keep them under observation and expand your your survey group from just you know poor little Bentley to <laughs> to uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, quite a few. I'm, I'm hoping,
3: given given the the uh, both the, the the extent and the the duration of this outbreak, which um, you know I was just listening to a um, a podcast from from earlier in the summer uh, that that talked about uh, expecting this this to draw to die out in Africa, mm-hmm. and here we are in the mid, middle of the fall and and uh still still um still hot and still going.
2: Yeah. Well.
3: Um Doctor
1: I, I'm I'm gonna have to uh stop you here because I'm I'm hearing that we're just about out of time from my sure. producer. But I want to thank you so much. This has been very informative and before I let you go, is there a website where somebody can get further information?
3: So ABMA Um, is going to keep uh, veterinarians and the public up to date about everything we know about uh, at least Ebola and and domestic animals.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Doctor. We need to take our final break of the morning, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Have you ever wondered what it takes to be an animal disaster volunteer? If this is something that interests you, then you're in luck. The Southern California Animal Response Team is having an orientation and recruitment today from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Buena Park Community Center located at 6688 Beach Boulevard in Buena Park. The class is free and will prepare you for a two-day upcoming volunteer training event slated for March of 2015. For more information, contact Susan Keyes at Key at socal.rr.com. You can also check out our Pet Place calendar at www.petplace.org for more information about this and other fun animal-related activities. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com petplaceradio to send us your comments or suggestions for the show. Well, that's all for me today. Remember... Pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.